Hello, Wednesday, May 20th. It is spring, almost summertime. We're getting closer and closer each day. Um, as far as my check-in today, eh, I'm a little bit blue zone, a little bit green zone. I'm feeling not tired, just tired of doing the same thing every day. I really could go for a change. We'll see. Summer's coming. Um, but also, I wanted to today talk about some things that are a little less heavy because we've been, or serious. Lately things, I feel like even our lessons are a little, little, uh, serious. So I wanted to lighten it up a bit today. <clears throat> so we're going to do, we're going to do our writing about, um, Fatima, Alfieri, uh, and we'll do something called a, well, we're going to do a poem in the form of a haiku, which is something we can learn about today too. So, first of all, I wanted to, yeah, let's do our writing for Miss Fatima. So, we'll do the main lesson book first. And if we remember from last lesson, Fatima Alfieri was a woman who uh, started the first university or college, like school for big people, older people, in... Fez, Morocco, and this was over a thousand years ago, and this is maybe even a hundred years before other schools in other parts of the world were founded, and they were based on her idea of having this one place where people could come and study the Quran, and they could study math, and they could study astronomy, and so all these smart people came together to share ideas, and that was the, the first place in the whole world that had that. And that's like something so important for our, our earth, that ideas are traded and thought about and, and improved upon, and that's the way we move forward and make the world better, is through learning about, learning from each other. So, um, in our book, I did a red border, and I did a, I used a... I went with uh, spring colors of yellow and orange for my lines, and I did those just two. And for our writing, I put in that uh, I wrote for the, my first line, Fatima. I'm that's the way I'm saying it. I could. I'm sure other people say it differently. In different, yeah, I, I know Fatima and other pronunciations. I don't know how she said it. It was a thousand years ago. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I wrote uh, Fatima L theory on the first line, capital F's, because that is her name. And then on the second line, you can see I wrote started, and then the first H is the only tall letter, in, oh, the D, the H, and the F are tall letters for that line. Now, this is a big word, university. That is the place where people go. You, I'm sure you've heard of the University of Oregon, or Oregon State University, or other places that have, they, those are Portland State University, which is where I went. That is the school that teaches many different things. And hopefully you all can go to university later. 
when you get older. Uh, yeah, and then in the world, so Fatima Alfieri started the first university in the world. That is our writing for today. Make sure that you're really writing straight. I can't, I've seen some people's work and I love it. And I cannot wait to get back and see how improved everybody is getting and your skills, how much more uh, uh, just improved at everything. It'll, it's going to be, and tall too. Everybody's going to be so much taller. <laughs> what a weird break we've had. But anyways, I wanted to get that writing done and that's really important that we remember who Fatima Elfiri is. She started the first university in the world. Um, for our second part, today we're going to go to Japan, and we're going to talk about poems, a type of poem that comes from Japan, and it is called a haiku. Now, some of you know, a poem is much like a verse that we say in the morning, or a uh, there's many, yeah, you know what a poem is, I think. But this kind of poem has to do with syllables. And we, we've talked about syllables before, but it might have been a while, so we'll review just a second. But a syllable is the, kind of like the beats in a word. So my name is Nathan. <laughs> and so if I'm going to snap my fingers or clap my hands to the each sound of my name... I would say it like Nathan. No, okay, that's two. Two syllables. The word syllable, if I say that word, and I count the beats of that word, it would be syllable. Ah, three syllables for the word syllable. If I think of the word cup, cup is just cup, one. So that's one syllable. So it's a pretty simple concept to think about. And... When you're making up a song or making up a poem, it's really important to think about syllables because that helps the words flow together and it can help the rhyme work better or <clears throat> however, whatever you're doing, uh, syllables are something you need to pay attention to. So this kind of poem from Japan is called a haiku and it depends on how many syllables are in each line. So a haiku has three lines, and each line has a certain number of syllables. The first line has five syllables, the second line has seven syllables, and the third line has five syllables. So the pattern, it's a pattern, goes five, seven, five. Now, this sounds kind of peculiar. Like, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to count syllables in a random 575 fashion? That seems random. But what it does is it makes you choose your words carefully, and when you put them together in this pattern, it can sound really inspiring or beautiful or mysterious if it works really well, if you're doing it correctly, whoever's doing it correctly. So, um, yeah, this... My, I wrote a, a, a spring haiku today, and I had to think about it a little bit, and it goes like this. I'll, I'll read it for you, and you can see my picture below, because I definitely did decorate it after I wrote it down on one piece of paper, 
Then I wrote it on a nicer piece of paper, and I colored it and drew in some flowers and some whatnot. So my haiku goes like this. The sun warms my nose. The grass is taller each day. Flowers brightly shine. So you can see that my poem doesn't have a beginning, a middle, and an end. has no conflict or anything like that. It's just words that describe what I was feeling when I was thinking about spring. And I'm going to snap to it one time, too, so you can hear my syllables in each line. So the first line goes, The sun warms my nose. That was five syllables. Number two line goes like this. The grass is taller each day. Seven syllables. And the third line goes like this. Flowers brightly shine. There you have it. That would be my five, seven, five. So I hope you all can make poems at home that were haikus with the pattern of five, seven, five syllables. And you could write them on a piece of paper using pens or crayons or colored pencils, however you want to decorate it, and then you can draw pictures to correlate it. Now, I just chose spring because that was my, my uh, what I was thinking about because it was a little sunny when I was looking at the, when I was thinking about my, my spring poem. So, while you're thinking about that, I wanted to read a little story about spring in Japan. <laughs> Because we're doing a uh, haiku poem style from Japan. And this is a story about some ducks. And it's based on a true story. So I thought that would be fun to hear a little true story about some ducks in spring in Japan. So this is, and it's got two chapters, so we'll see if this is, yeah. Anyways, it goes like this. One spring morning, oh, this book's called Chibi. And it is written by Barbara Brenner and Julia Takaya, and it was illustrated by June Otani. Important to, to remember who wrote the book, because they don't just come from anywhere. All right, chapter one says, One spring morning, a brown and gold duck flew over a skyscraper in Tokyo, Japan. Far below, she spied a pool of water gleaming like glass. She dipped down and glided onto it, hardly making a splash. And after a quick look around, the duck settled down in a clump of ivy blue by the pool and proceeded to build her nest. It didn't seem to bother her that she was in an office park in downtown Tokyo or that she was only a stone's throw from the Uchibori Dori, the eight-lean avenue where 300 cars a minute roar in and out of the city. The duck went right on with her work. Soon, the nest held ten ivory-colored eggs. The Okasan brooded them herself, turning the eggs gently with her feet from time to time, and they would keep warm. So they would keep warm on all sides. Twenty-six days later, there was a commotion in the ivy. One egg cracked, and a wet little baby duck pecked its way out of the shell. Then another egg hatched. Then seven more. And within hours, there were nine fluffy ducklings in the ivy, snuggled under their mother's warm, brood feathers. It seemed as if the tenth egg might be a dud, 
But on the next day, it finally cracked open, and a very small and scraggly duckling pushed out of the shell. Okasan patiently moved the other ducklings about in the nest to make room for this last and tiniest member of the family. As soon as number 10 was fluffed out and steady on her feet, the mother duck led her entire brood out of the nest and onto the ledge above the pool. That was when the workers in the office in the Mitsui office park saw the ducks for the first time. The ducks caused a sensation. Word spread like wildfire. Eleven wild kama are living around the pool. People began to visit the park just to watch the duck family and to take pictures of them. Among the duck watchers was a news photographer, Mr. Sato, who gave a name to the tiniest duckling. Sato-san named her Chibi, which means tiny. Now, if I'm saying these words incorrectly, <laughs> the Japanese words, I apologize. I am not a fluent Japanese speaker. <laughs> um, every day, the crowd grew larger. People brought lunch in their kerchiefs to eat beside the pool so they could watch Okasan and her ducklings. Vendors moved in with hot noodle carts, carts of odin, steamed vegetables, and sobimaki, rice cakes wrapped in seaweed, with ice cream and cake carts. Tokyo TV started a broadcast, a duck watch, on the evening news. School children came on class trips to see the Kamo family. Photographers came to take pictures. Sato-san was there every day. Mitsui Office Park, uh, sorry, soon, oh soon 4,000 people a day were visiting the Mitsui Office Park to see Okasan and her ducklings. Chibi was clearly their favorite. Everyone worried about her. Being the smallest and youngest, she struggled to catch up with her brothers and sisters who had already learned waddle, line up, follow the leader, and belly whopper splash. <laughs> when Chibi finally learned to dive under the water to get moss to eat, Everyone celebrated, Chibi, Chibi, they chanted. Sato-san took the first pictures of Chibi, bottoms up. <laughs> One morning in June, Okasan hastily quack-quack-quacked the ducklings together. When they were all in a line, she marched them to one of the exits and right out of the office park. Sato-san and the other duck watchers trailed after her at a safe distance. When she reached the corner, Okasan stopped short, turned and waddled all the way back to the pool, her ducklings right behind her. She repeated this trip seven times that morning. What is that crazy Okasan doing? People asked. Uh, yeah, Sato-san thought he knew. The duck family had outgrown the little pool at the office park, but right across the street was an ideal place for growing ducklings. The great moat in the emperor's gardens. Okasan was going to take her family there. She was planning to cross the Uchibori Tori. I don't know if I'm saying that right. But when? Nobody knew. Not even Sato-san. The police were notified to be on the alert. They would stop traffic for the ducks. Sato-san and some of the other photographers brought sleeping bags and prepared to spend the night. Many of them had traveled a long way to capture on film the exciting moment when the Kamo crossed the eight-lane avenue. Night came and lights went on in the city. The moon came out. Everything was quiet around the little pond. As dawn broke, the duck watchers list listened for the first sounds of activity in the ivy, but the duck family slept on.
At eleven o'clock in the morning, Okasam was still asleep, her head tucked under her wing. Chibi and the other ducklings were paddling around in the pool, chasing water spiders. Could it be that Mama Duck had changed her mind? Sato-san took out his shaver and freshened up a bit. He passed around a thermos of ocha, but the hot green tea couldn't take away the effects of a sleepless night. Some of the photographers decided to leave. Others dozed in their camp chairs and sleeping bags. To pass the time, Sato-san took pictures of his friends sleeping. And then, exactly at noon, the mother duck lifted her bill, stood up, and waggled her tail. Was the bill or the tail a signal? The ducklings gathered behind their mother, Chibi first, then the others. Marching single file, they followed Okasan to the exit. But wait! She wasn't leading them to where the watchers had gathered. She was heading for the opposite exit. Satosan was the first to realize what she meant to do. Frantically, he dialed the police. Then, camera in hand, he clambered over the azalea bushes and raced along the divider to the exit. The street crossing light was changing from Madori to Akai, green to red. Okasan ignored it. Looking straight ahead, she waddled down from the curb. Chibi and the other ducklings did the same. At that moment, a sports car came speeding down the road avenue, the broad avenue. It was heading straight for the ducks. Sato-san, who was about to take a picture, dropped his camera and ran out into the street. Waving his arms frantically, he shouted at the driver to stop. Stop! Stop! The car swerved, brakes screeched. Police whistles blew, flashbulbs went off, but Okasan paid no attention. She calmly herded her brood across four lanes, up onto the divider, then down onto the remaining four lanes. Within minutes, the Kamo family had crossed the wide avenue and had reached the other side safely. Mama Duck flew down into the moat uh, first. She paddled around, encouraging her family to do the same. One by one, they obeyed, tumbling over the steep rocky sides and plopping into the green water. Only Chibi was left teetering on the edge of the high wall. She quacked mournfully. Her brothers and sisters were already swimming away with from her with Okasan, who seemed not to realize that Chibi had been left behind. Sato-san called to the duckling, Go on, Chibi! Go, you can make it! Now Okasan turned back and swam towards Chibi, quacking anxiously. Chibi looked down at the water. It was far, far down. The top of the wall must have seemed as high as Mount Fuji to her. She gave one final quack, and splash! Chibi joined her family in the garden, the moat of the Emperor of Japan. That night, the front page of every Tokyo newspaper featured the duck story. Sato-san was disappointed that he hadn't gotten a better picture of the Kamo crossing with Chibori Tori, but he was happy that he was the one who had helped the duck family to cross the avenue safely. On his next visit, Sato-san saw that Chibi and her brothers and sisters were in fine place for growing ducklings. The water was thick with green plants to eat, and there was plenty of space for swimming and practice flying. However, the little Kamo were not alone. Gold, red, and silver carp, like goldfish, darted through the water. Square-headed turtles scavenged the bottom for bits of food, and dappled water snakes sunned themselves on the rocks. 
There were swans in the moat, too. The swans discovered where the, they were the least friendly of the creatures who shared the moat. The swans would suddenly appear on the water, like a fleet of white sailing ships. When the ducks were in their path, they hissed and trumpeted in a terrifying way. Chibi had the hardest time keeping out of the swan's path. When she saw them coming, she would paddle as fast as her little webbed feet could go to get out of the reach of their clapping beaks. People continued to visit the duck family and to take pictures of them. There was always a crowd standing at the iron railing around the moat. Even joggers circling the gardens paused to have a look. Everyone knew Chibi. They worried with her when the swans got too close. Sato-san visited every day. He always had a special good day for Chibi. Konnichiwa, Chibi, he would call and his voice would echo off the rocks. In June, <clears throat> the rainy season arrived in Tokyo. There were gentle showers every day. Uchibori, Uchibori Tori was always slick and shiny with water. But Sato-san and the duck watchers still came to visit the ducks. They stood in puddles under their umbrellas, smiling at the sight of Chibi and her brothers and sisters playing in the raindrops. Then came unusual weather. It began to rain harder and more steadily. Typhoons blew in almost every day. Powerful rain drove down the streets, came down in sheets and torrents. The wind also tore the branches from cherry trees and bent the willows until their leaves covered the ground. Sheets of rain pelted the surface of the moat and the water was whipped into a sea of whitecaps. Now only a few people braved the outdoors, and there were hardly a car on Ichipuri Dori. Sato-san was worried about Chibi and the other ducks. He tried to fight his way against the wind to get to the moat, but after he was knocked off his feet, he gave up and went home. The moat began to fill up. Water poured over the spillway in an angry, foaming waterfall. Trees, roots, pieces of plastic, even the gold carp were washed over the edge and carried along the rushing tide. It was a flood. The swans had long since left their water for high ground. They huddled together, their heads tucked under their wings. The, snake had disappeared. the snakes had disappeared into crevices in the rocks. The turtles were safe on the muddy bottom of the moat inside their shell houses. But where were the kamo? That was the question in many people's minds. Sato-san sat in his apartment and worried about the ducks, especially little Chibi. The storms went on for days and days, and then the rain stopped. The skies cleared, and people were able to go outside again. The duck watchers hurried to the emperor's gardens to look for the ducks, but there were no signs of them. Seto-san walked the whole length of the moat. At last he caught sight of Mama Duck, but she had only seven ducks with her. Three ducklings were missing, and one was little Chibi. Seto-san immediately organized a search party. People checked the moat from one end to the other, looking everywhere for footprints, feathers, bones, and a clue to the disappearance of the young ducks. Even the emperor's guards and gardeners joined the search. Meanwhile, Okusan swam up and down, quacking frantically. When she failed to find her missing children on the water, she took to the air and flew along the banks and stone walls above the moat. Then she flew over Uchibori Dori to the Mitsui office park where she searched the old nest in the ivy, but Chibi and the other two ducklings were nowhere to be seen. Two days later, one of the ducklings was found dead. Oh, it had been drowned in the flood. 
After the news was announced, hundreds of people brought fresh flowers and made a small shrine at the spillway as a memorial to the drowned duckling. Sato-san took pictures of the shrine. He thought sadly of the other two missing ducks. If Chibi's larger brother had been caught by the force of the typhoon, what were the tiny ducks' chances for survival? The next morning, the missing duck suddenly appeared. No one knew where it had been or how it had managed to find its way home. Yet there it was, seeming none the worse for wear. But where was Chibi? Now something truly amazing happened. Sato-san heard the loud quacking at the far end of the moat. He ran towards the sound. Oka-san heard it too. She took flight and flew in that direction. <clears throat> Before either of them reached the spot, a tiny figure floated into view. It was Chibi. She was balanced like a surfer on a piece of styrofoam. Somehow the brave little duck had been able to stay afloat on the makeshift raft during the raging storm. The plastic piece had saved her life. Click. Sato-san's camera captured the happy moment. <clears throat> the story of Chibi's return, with, along with Sato's picture, was the front-page story in all the Tokyo papers. When the emperor learned of the brave struggle of the Kamo, he ordered a, a special, strong, handsome duck house built for them. It stands there today in the moat of the Imperial Gardens in Tokyo, Japan. Every year, Chibi and her brothers and sisters come back to nest and to raise broods of their own. And if you ever visit, you may notice a certain elderly Japanese gentleman nearby taking pictures. There you go. So that is a based on a true story. Uh, I wanted to just read something a little lighthearted, uh, and it kind of goes with our Japanese poem writing for today. <clears throat> So, I yeah, let's do our writing for Fatima, and then I would love to see your, or read your uh, haiku poems that we're going to be doing today. All right, that is it for Wednesday, May 20th. I will talk to you on Friday, and I hope you have a lovely day. Talk to you later. Bye.